O Srimad Bhagavatam, O nectar churned from the ocean of all Vedic scriptures, you are the most prominent transcendental fruit of the Vedas and are enriched with the jewels of all philosophical conclusions. You grant spiritual vision to all people of the world and are the very life breath of the Vaishnava devotees. O Lord, you are the sun which has arisen to dispel the darkness of Kali Yuga. Actually, you are Lord Krishna who has returned among us. O Srimad Bhagavatam, I offer respectful obeisances unto you. By your recitation, one attains transcendental bliss because your syllables shower down pure love of God. You are to be served by everyone always, for you are an incarnation of Lord Krishna. O Srimad Bhagavatam, my only friend, companion, and teacher, O my wealth, O, o my great wealth and deliverer, O my good fortune and bliss, I offer respectful obeisances unto you. O Srimad Bhagavatam, I love this one. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly. O uplifter of the most fallen, never please never leave me. Accompanied by pure love of Krishna, please manifest yourself in my heart and throat. Beautiful, huh? Very nice prayers. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Ajnana Timirandasya, Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshur Unmilitam Yena, Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha. We are reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, as I think you know by now. <laughs> that would be a surprise if we weren't, right? And we are um, finishing the eighth chapter, if I recall correctly. Where are we just finished text 33. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We just finished text 19. So we're on text. Oh, but I think we read up to. No, I don't think we did. We read. We just finished 19. So we have to start on 20 and read the translations up to 33. So this is the Narayan Kavacha shield. And uh, who presented this to uh, the demigods? Hare Krishna Prabhu, it is by Vishvarupa, the son yes. of Vashta. Very good, very good. May Lord Keshava protect me with his club in his first portion of the day, and may Govinda, who is always engaged in playing his flute, protect me in the second portion of the day. May Lord Narayana, who is equipped with all potencies, protect me in the third part of the day, and may Lord Vishnu, who carries a disc to kill his enemies, protect me in the fourth part of the day. May Lord Madhusudana, who carries a bow, very fearful for the demons, protect me during the fifth part of the day. In the evening, may Lord Madhava, uh, appearing as Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwara, protect me. And in the beginning of night, may Lord Rishikesh protect me. At the dead of night, in the second and third parts of the night, may Lord Padmanabha alone protect me. May the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who bears the Srivatsa on his chest protect me after midnight until the sky becomes pinkish. May Lord Janardana, who carries a sword in his hand, protect me at the end of night during the last four gatikas of night. May Lord Damodar protect me in the early morning. And may Lord Vishveshwara protect me during the junctions of day and night. Set into motion by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and wandering in all four directions, the disc of the Supreme Lord has sharp edges as destructive as a fire of devastation at the, end of the, at the end of the millennium. 
As a blazing fire burns dry grass to ashes with the assistance of the breeze, may that Sankarshana uh, chakra burn our enemies to ashes. It, it, in the, in the uh, previous verses that we read, it's just um, interesting. You know, we kind of go through days and nights, you know, uh, like the song from uh, um, Fiddler on the Roof, Sunrise, Sunset, Sunrise, Sunset. But, it, it, you know, for someone who was living in those Vedic times and who was very in, in tune with the culture, there, there was, you know, there was, it was very much, um, you know, you do this during this part of the day, you do that during that part of the day, and, and time was... Uh, measured in in terms of mohurtas like you know the brahma mohurta uh does anyone have that the brahma mohurta right which is so auspicious is right now 508 to 556 in the morning right and and there's times for gayatri if you chant gayatri from 620 in the morning to 708 anyway and and there's uh, arundaya the the time before uh, um, the sun rises and, and, and you know, and, and the different titties and when they begin um, at like, for example, today at 8.23 p.m. and 40 seconds, the uh, today is Ostomy. So the Navami, the, the ninth day uh, actually starts. And then the at, at 10.13 and 45 seconds, the Magna Nakshatra starts all. My, my point being that it was very, detailed calculations of the different times of the day and what to do in this time of the day and what to do in that time as part of the traditional Vedic culture. So we're seeing that a little bit here in the Narayan Kavacha, Kavacha that, um, <clears throat> you know, may, may this Lord, may the Lord, this Lord protect me at this time of the day like that. O club in the hand of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you produce sparks of fire as powerful as thunderbolts. And you are extremely dear to the Lord, and I am also his servant. Therefore, kindly help me pound to pieces the evil living beings known as Kushmandas, uh, Vainakyakas, Yakshas, Rakshashas, Bhutas, and Grahas. Please pulverize them, <laughs> the people that, would, that might not um, stop you from being protected. O oh, best of conch shells, O Panchajanya, in the hands of the Lord, you are always filled with the breath of Lord Krishna. Therefore, you create a fearful sound vibration that causes trembling in the hearts of enemies like the Rakshashas, Pramatha ghosts, Pretas, Matas, uh, Pisachas, and Brahmana ghosts with fearful eyes. Now, of course, remember, who is this, um, who are the, this uh, Kavacha, uh, who is it for? Who is uh, who did uh, the demigods? Yes, for the demigods, and the demigods, as we know, are great souls and and devotees, and we also know that they are not pure devotees necessarily, right? They are often called uh, sakam devotees, devotees who have some. So a pure devotee might just say, "Krishna, Rake Krishna, Mareke, Mare Krishna, Rake K. If Krishna wants to kill me. No one can protect me. If Krishna wants to protect me, no one can kill me. So it's just keeping that in mind when you, when you, especially when we hear the last verse, you know, we're going to pulverize this person and pulverize that person. Um, there's still some idea of friends and enemies. And as we're going to learn 
Well, if we continue our studies, we have to discuss that at the end of the Bhakti Bhai Baba. But if we, in the seventh canto, we're going to hear about how pure devotees like Pulad Maharaj did not think in terms of friends and enemies. So I just wanted to put that in context if you were thinking, why, why do they want to just pulverize everybody? Aren't they also ultimately Krishna's servant? <laughs> so um, should we continue? If you have any comments on anything that I've said just now, please just go off of mute and say them. Yeah, I thought they were talking about demons. Pul yeah, they are. Not us, pulverizing demons. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about demons. Yes, they are. Oh, I get uh, they are, but sometimes a pure devotee may not want to pulverize anybody. They might, but uh, I like it. But you like it, you said? Yeah, like yeah. I like Bhairavi and, and Bhadravi. They just kill, kill, kill demons. They don't even <laughs> stop to talk to them. Right? They just kill them. No questions asked. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we also, what we do in Kali Yuga is we try to kill people's uh, demoniac mentality rather than their body by giving them prasadam and Srila Prabhupada's teachings and uh, the whole, especially the holy name. Like yeah, that. seriously, yeah. Yeah, so i just putting that in context for you. <laughs> Any other thoughts or comments before we continue? Uh, Hare Krishna Prabhu, when I was reading, this thought came to my mind as... Um, uh, Devatas already uh, had Amrita, right? Um, so nobody can kill them because they had uh, the Amrita. And uh, these things are coming later part of the um, uh, thing. And then why they have to be feared? They cannot be killed. Like what is making them to fear or what is making them to get killed? Um, well, first of all, I don't know if the, we don't know the chronological order of when they got the Amrita. But we also know that the Amrita is not foolproof because everyone dies. Demigods all die. Every single demigod dies, even Lord Brahma. So it's not eternal Amrita. The only way you can be deathless is going back to the spiritual world and being with Lord Krishna or, or you know, Vishnu, etc. Right, Shakshi? Yes, Prabhu. Okay. Yeah, right? I mean, we, we know that from, uh, yeah. Even Hirani, or of course, Hirani Kash, immortal, I'm immortal. Well, you know, he had to uh, learn the hard way. <laughs> but we will, we do learn about which uh, canto do we learn about the pastime of the Amrita? And uh, anyone know? Eight. Yes, the eighth canto. Yes, the eighth canto. Thank you. Okay. Um, but they can live for, I mean, what is it? Lord Brahma lives for 311 trillion, 640 million or billion? You know, he lives a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, 26. O king of sharp-edged swords, you are engaged by the supreme personality of Godhead. Please cut the soldiers of my enemies to pieces. Please cut them to pieces. Andy's very happy. Oh, shield marked with a hundred brilliant moon-like circles. Please cover the eyes of the sinful enemies. Pluck out their sinful eyes. May the glorification of the transcendental name, form, qualities, and paraphernalia of the Supreme Personality of Godhead protect us from the influence of bad planets, meteors, envious human beings, serpents, scorpions, and animals like tigers and wolves. May it protect us from ghosts and from the material elements like earth, water, fire, and air, and may it also protect us from lightning in our past sins. We are always afraid of these hindrances to our 
auspicious life. Therefore, may they all be completely destroyed by the chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. So, um, yeah. <laughs> we also learn in the 11th canto that we only really have one enemy. Anyone know what the, the Avanti Brahmana says in the 11th canto is our one enemy? The mind. The mind, yes. Very good, Sudanda. Yes, so that's another way to look at things, right? Or who is it? Uh, I forgot the, uh, the uh, musician who said, uh, you know, what is the ugliest part of your body? Some say it's your hair, some say it's your toes, but I say it's your mind. Suganda put there in the 11th canto, these people are not the cause of my happiness, stress, neither are the demigods, my own body, the planets, my past work or time. Rather, it is the mind alone that causes happiness and distress and perpetuates the rotation of material life. Thank you for putting that there. Okay, let's continue. <clears throat> Lord Garuda, the carrier of Lord Vishnu, is the most worshipful Lord, for he is as powerful as the Supreme Lord himself. He is the personified Vedas and is worshipped by selected verses. May he protect us from all dangerous conditions. And may Lord Vishvaksena, the personality of God, also protect us from all dangers by his holy name. May the Supreme Personality of God's holy names, his transcendental forms, his carriers, and all the weapons decorating him as personal associates protect our intelligence, senses, mind, and life airs from all dangers. The subtle and gross cosmic manifestation is material. But nevertheless, it is not different from the Supreme Personality of God because it is ultimate, he is ultimately the cause of all causes. Cause and effect are factually one because the cause is present in the effect. Therefore, the absolute truth, the Supreme Personality of God can destroy all our dangers by any part of his potent parts. And now we read 32 and 33. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the living entities, the material energy, the spiritual energy, and the entire creation are all individual substances. In the ultimate analysis, however, together they constitute the Supreme One, the Personality of Godhead. Therefore, those who are advanced in spiritual knowledge see unity in diversity. For such advanced persons, the Lord's bodily decorations, his name, his fame, his attributes and forms, and the weapons in his hands are manifestations of the strength of his potency. According to their elevated spiritual understanding, the omniscient Lord, who manifests various forms, is present everywhere. May he always protect us everywhere from all calamities. And Prabhupada writes in his purport a few things I'll read at the beginning. A person highly elevated in spiritual knowledge, knows that nothing exists but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 9.4, where Lord Krishna says, sarvam, indicating that everything we see is an expansion of his energy. Um, that we learn is the vision of the most advanced devotee, the Uttama Adhikari, the Uttama Bhagavat. And a little further down, since both cause and effect are the Supreme Lord, there is no difference between cause and effect. Consequently, the ornaments and weapons of the Lord, being expansions of his spiritual energy, are not different from him. 
And Prabhupada writes in the next per- paragraph, the holy name of the Lord is fully identical with the Lord, not partially. The word Purna means complete. The Lord is omnipotent and omniscient. And similarly, his name, form, qualities, paraphernalia, and everything pertaining to him are complete, pure, eternal, and free from material contamination. <clears throat> so the, uh, the word uh, Tadiya, it means in relationship with the Lord. That includes, um, uh, actually, uh, this is from a verse in the, I'm sorry, in the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita 22.125. The word Tadiya means in relationship with the Lord. Service to the Vaishnavas, Tulsi, uh, Tulasi, Ganges, and Jamuna are included in Pada Sevanam, which means uh, worshiping the lotus feet. All these processes of Pada Sevanam help one advance in spiritual life very quickly. So because this verse is talking about those things in relationships to the Lord, I, I, that's why I looked for this. And now in the purport it says, Thus following in the footsteps of Maharaj Prataparudra and other devotees, we should learn to worship everything belonging to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is referred to by Lord Shiva as Tadiyanam. In the Padma Purana it is said, Aradhanam Sarvesham Vishnur Aradhanam Param Tasmat Parataram Devi Tadiyanam Samacharam. O Devi, the most exalted system of worship in, is the worship of Lord Vishnu. Greater than that is worship of Tadiya or anything belonging to Vishnu. So did you hear that? Greater than worshiping Krishna is to worship his Tadiya. Sri Vishnu is Satchit Ananda Vigraha. Similarly, the most confidential servant of Krishna, the spiritual master, and all, and now listen to this, and all devotees of Vishnu are Tadiya. The Satchit Ananda Vigraha, Guru, Vaishnavas, and things used by them must be considered Tadiya and without a doubt worshipable by all living beings. Tadiya means the Tulasi leaves, the devotees of Lord Krishna, the birthplace of Krishna, and the Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna is very eager to see his devotees serve these four items, namely Tulasi, the Vaishnavas, Mathura, and the Bhagavatam. So this is the vision of a devotee. Consequently, the ornaments and weapons of the Lord, being expansions of his spiritual energy, are not different from him. So some thoughts, questions, or comments on this point about Tadiya. Well, I recall where uh, one place where Prabhupada mentioned that the, uh, the guru is actually more effective in some ways than Krishna because he's present with you physically. He can oh, do things, yeah, yeah. That's that. Sorry, I cut you off, Andy. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially in this sense, uh, you know, I've, I've told we've already spoken about this example of the rich man walking on the beach with his small child in hand, and what can you do to please the rich man? He has everything. Yeah. But if you give the child a one, well, these days a one dollar suite or one rupee <laughs> suite or whatever. <laughs> um, you'll have stolen the heart of the rich man. So similarly, um, by associating with, uh, well, by pleasing a devotee of Krishna, uh, it's the best way to win Krishna's heart. Mm -hmm. And also, of course, there's other things that makes the the spiritual master or the devotee special. For example, we see their living example. 
even it's said about Lord Shaitan that Prabhupada gives the example that a, uh, a, a school teacher, I don't know what grade it would be, first grade, second grade. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been in the first grade. Um, sometimes they'll, they'll show you A, B, C, D. They'll show you how to write the alphabet by writing it themselves. They don't have to study the alphabet. They know the alphabet, <laughs> right? But they'll do it to set an example for you. And he, Prabhupada gives the example that Lord Chaitanya did that. He came as a devotee to show us how to be a devotee. Even though he doesn't have to be it. You know, he knows the ABCs. He knows the XYZs, XYZ, as they say in parts of the world. So thank you for that, Andy. Yes. Other thoughts on this Tadiya idea or principle? It's not an idea. It's principle. Anyone remember the four things at the end? Uh, the four things that I read that um, are... That Krishna wants to emphasize that we should especially, um, that, that, what does it say? Uh, Krishna is very eager to see his devotees serve these four items. Tulsi, the devotees. Tulsi. Birthplace of Krishna. Birthplace of Krishna and? The Bhagavatam. And the Bhagavatam. Okay, yeah, so Tulasi, the devotees. Krishna's birthplace, or Mathura, or Brindavan, or the holy place. And the Srimad Bhagavatam. Very good. Okay. Uh, and Suganda puts simply by decorating ourselves with the garlands, fragrant oils, clothes, and ornaments that you have already enjoyed. And by eating the remnants of your meals, we, your servants, will indeed conquer your illusory energy. That's from the 11th canto. Uddhava says this. Very good, Suganda. Thank you so much. Anything else? Okay, then we can go forward and let's see. We're going up to verse 42. Okay. So, 34. Prahlad Maharaj loudly chanted the holy name of Lord Nrsinghadev. May Lord Nrsinghadev, the Simhadev, Roaring from his, uh, for, roaring for his devotee, Prahlad Maharaj, protect us from all fear of dangers created by stalwart leaders in all directions through poison, weapons, water, fire, air, and so on. May the Lord cover their influence by his own transcendental influence. May Nrsinghadev prote uh, protect us in all directions and in all corners, above, below, within, and without. Vishwarup continued, O Indra, the mystic armor related to Lord Narayan has been described by me to you. By putting on this protective covering, you will certainly be able to conquer the leaders of the demons. If one employs this armor, whoever, whomever he sees with his eyes or touches with his feet is immediately freed from all the above-mentioned dangers. This prayer, Narayana Kavacha, uh, constitutes subtle knowledge transcendentally connected with Narayana. One who employs this prayer is never disturbed or put into danger by the government. Oh, that's interesting. By plunderers, by evil demons, or by any type of disease. O king of heaven, a brahmana named Koshika formerly used this armor when he purposely gave up his body in the desert by mystic power. Surrounded by many beautiful women, 
Chitaratra, the king of Gandharva Loka, was once passing in his airplane over the Brahmana's body at the spot where the Brahmana had died. Suddenly, Chitaratra was forced to fall from the sky head first with the, his airplane. Struck with wonder, he was ordered by the great sages named the Valik, Valikilasyas to th uh, throw the Brahmana's bones in the nearby river Saraswati. He had to do this and bathe in the river before returning to his abode. Sukadeva Goswami said, My dear Maharaj Prikshit, one who employs this armor or hears about it with faith and veneration when afraid because of any conditions in the material world is immediately freed from all dangers and is worshipped by all living entities. King Indra, who performed 100 sacrifices, received this prayer of protection from Vishwarupa. After conquering the demons, he enjoyed all the opulence of the three worlds. Prabhupada writes in the purport, <clears throat> all mantras should be received through the authorized guru, and the disciple must satisfy the guru in all respects after surrendering at his lotus feet. So I thought that was uh, <clears throat> instructive, that it's not only... You know, the first step may be, okay, to, to receive the mantra from the guru, you know, to take diksha. But it's not enough, right? It says here that all mantras should be received through the authorized guru, and the disciple must satisfy the guru in all respects after surrendering at his lotus feet. So it's not just you receive the mantras in Hari Bol, right? It's uh, we must please the giver. And Prabhupada would say that, that Mayavadis, um, impersonalists, some of them at least, they, they get this wrong. And here's a, uh, sh a short story told by Bhavananda Prabhu. Srila Prabhupada was taking his morning walk on the road in Mayapur when he decided to go to the Ganga. There was a fairly steep embarkment on the way there, so I got down on the side of the bank and put my arm up. Prabhupada leaned on my arm and I helped him down. Then he abruptly pushed my hand away. I was shocked. Prabhupada said, that is what the Mayavadis do. They take the Guru's help and then reject the Guru to become God. That is the Mayavadi. <clears throat> and uh, he said, what I understood was that the Mayavadis, this is Bhavananda Prabhu saying, what I understood was that Mayavadis are not even nice. For them to take someone's help and then push that person away means that they don't have a concept of manners on a transcendental level. So um, I'll read that again. All mantras should be received through the authorized guru and the disciple must satisfy the guru in all respects after surrendering at his lotus feet. So it's not just getting the mantra, it's, it's having a relationship with the mantra and with the person who gave us the mantra, who's given us the mantra. It's, like that. Some questions or comments on that point. Yeah, in the last purport, uh, Prabhupada did say very nicely, because he's always talking about the Mayavadis, right? Yeah. But he said they refuse to accept the form of the Lord, or they say that the form of the Lord is Maya or false. But one should note very carefully that this is not acceptable. Right, right. <laughs> I like yes. that. And it was funny in the early days of ISKCON, um, 
Prabhupada was talking about the Mayavadis, and the devotees thought, oh, it's just some group in, in India that, that Swamiji doesn't like. <laughs> and then when they found out more, they realized, oh, we're also Mayavadis, or at least prior to, you know, learning about Krishna. So, yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, so we're embarking on a new chapter. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Anandi Mukhi, please. In, uh, in a, pre for a previous verse. Okay. Uh, in verse 22, I, I just look at this uh, mentioning of Lord Damodara. Uh-huh. Uh, so my question is, uh, is, is this some, someone the same as the Damodara that we are worshiping in this month of Kartik or someone else? Well, that is a good question, and I can only assume it's the same, because um, there are mentions in these prayers of, you know, uh, of Krishna, of Krishna, right? And I, I forget the verse. I mean, even Madhusudana can be um, uh, a Vrindavan understanding of the word. Um, so, I, but I do remember. Yes, yeah, here in verse 20. May Lord Keshava protect me with his club in the first portion. And then may Govinda, that's a, that's a Vrindavan name, right? Uh, who is always engaged in playing his flute. So based on that, I'm, and, I'm, and I have to, I, I could look into it more carefully. Uh, not at this present moment. I don't have the means to. But one could assume that if, well, if it mentions Govinda and it mentions... Uh, playing the flute and it does there why would why would this not be Brindavan Damodar? Is that a fair assumption? Okay. Thank you. I think that's a reasonable inference. Thank you. <laughs> a reasonable inference, yes, yeah. Just give me a second, I'll see if I have I have a little information. Let's see. That was verse twenty two, right? No, I don't have any further information on that. Okay. But thank you for bringing that up. Now we're, let me go back to the beginning of the ninth chapter. I used Apple. I looked it up on Apple Knowledge. Okay. And it came up. Let me see if I can get back to it now. Oops. Uh, they say that Lord Damodara is the one worshipped in the month of Kartik. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's our Damodar then, yes. Oh, we already said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but you're, thank you for that. that. That reinforces the point, yes, the... Yeah. Uh, one who damo, you know, rope and udara means the waist, right? So, one, you know, Krishna was tied. And I just saw, was that in one of the uh, emails from Romapad Swami about how it can also relate to Radharani? Is that Nandimukhi? Did you get that? I just saw it. Anyone? No? Just to be clear, we're talking about the the name Damodar referring to Radharani? No, the uh, that Radharani also tied up Krishna. Oh. Yes, oh. yes I remember that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I can't find it right now. But, um, yeah, I just read it somewhere. I thought it was uh, Ramapad Swami, but I guess not. Because Nanimuki would have known about it, right? She's, she's remaining silent on this point. <laughs> Does someone on this call know that story? that passed? Yeah, I'm trying to find an email, Prabhu. 
Okay. Uh, I just tried to like, and my impression is that uh, that that Lila occur uh, prior to the Damodara uh, Lila pastime. So like as as uh, Radha Rani tied Krishna first, and then Krishna and his and the conversation Krishna mentioned that in future when uh, Mother Yashoda tied me up with a rope. Then this name Damodara will be uh, like spread all around the world. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that is somewhere else. It's not in Bhagavata Purana. It's in another Purana. Okay. Good. Well, if anyone finds the details, let us know. Let's go on to verse one of chapter nine. Sri Sukadev Goswami continued. Vishwarup, who was engaged as the priest of the demigods, had three heads. He used to. Uh, used one to drink the beverage Somaras, another to drink wine, and the third to eat food. O King Parikshit, thus I have heard from authorities. So, um, besides the questions about having three heads and drinking wine, <laughs> which someone may, let's look at the purport uh, that probably, let's look at the purport that probably picks up on the last point that I've heard this from authorities. Prabhupada writes, by direct experience, one cannot learn anything beyond the range of human perception. One must hear from authorities. Therefore, Sukadeva Goswami, a great personality, says, what I am describing to you, O King, is what I have heard from authoritative sources. This is the Vedic system. The Vedic knowledge is called Shruti because it must be received by, uh, by being heard from authorities. It is beyond the realm of our false experimental knowledge. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've heard this a lot in Prabhupada's teachings. We all accept some authority, right? Because we can't be experts on everything. Even if I, even for me, like, okay, so my field of study is conflict resolution. I may know, you know, a reasonable amount uh, about it, but how did I learn that? I, I read, I re you know, read books written by authorities on the subject, right? So we all accept authorities. Um, how to, I had to put a new uh, uh, light bulb in my, uh, not light bulb, headlight in my car. So, you know, I went on YouTube and found out how to install it. And that's, you know, I went to the authority on, on that. So we all accept um, some authority. Um, and it's a question of which authorities do we accept? Mm. We have, because if we just go by our senses, we, we accept them sometimes as authority, our, uh, in Sanskrit, pratyaksha, direct perception. But you could say that that's the real fake news. Because <laughs> what are the uh, four defects that we all have as conditioned souls? Tendency to make mistakes. Okay, Cheat. that's one. Wait, wait, no, just one. One per person. Oh. <laughs> Tendency to make mistakes. What are the other? One of the other threes. Yeah, illusion. Being illusion. Cheating propensity. Cheating propensity. Yeah, and there's one more. You make mistakes. Imperfect senses. Imperfect senses. Yes, thank you. Imperfect senses. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's we. It's it's quite a. That's a lot, right? Hmm. So it's not that pratyaksha is totally bogus. I mean, you know, totally wrong. But there are so many things that are beyond so many things. Even how to, I probably could have been uh, trying to figure out how to put that 
headlight into my Subaru for hours, right? If I hadn't gone to, uh, I might've been able to do it by, by sight, but it, believe me, it was a lot easier. Even a simple thing like that, super, super simple thing like that. It was a lot easier to do it by going to an authority and finding out actually how to do it. So this is our general process is to hear or to learn from someone else. So the question is, who do we learn from? And, and the other reason that direct perception is not terrible is, uh, it's, it's just limited is, um, that it's also an important part of Krishna consciousness. Does anyone know the uh, verse, uh, the second verse of the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita? I'm sure it'll show up in the chat quite soon. Uh, second verse of ninth chapter? Yes. Rajavidya Rajaguyo. Right. And I keep going. Pavitram. Uh, yep. Nitam Uttamam. Yep. Yeah. Next verse. Yes. And there, there's that word, Pratyaksha. Right. And, uh, translated in this in the, in the verse that Sugandha just put direct perception of the self but it's an interesting pratyaksha it's by realization so Krishna gives us realization to the devotees he says that in the um, eighth verse of the tenth chapter right dadami buddhi yogam tvam dadami I give knowledge buddhi yoga to you twam so bhakti uh krishna reveals himself when we are to the extent that we are um, engaged in devotional service in the 11th canto there's a purport that says uh pramana means proof vaishnava philosophers condense all the different types of pramanas into three pratyaksha anumana and shabha shabdha Projection means direct evidence by the senses. But since the senses are imperfect, pratyaksha often has to be corrected by higher knowledge. Anumana refers to deductive and inductive logic, which depends on the validity of its premises and reasons, and so cannot prove anything with final certainty. Shabdha means receiving knowledge from authoritative sources. Vedic knowledge is sabda pramana. This is particularly applicable to transcendental subject matters, which cannot be understood by the empirical and theorizing methods. So it's a significant point being made here that, uh, that in Sukadeva Goswami is saying that thus I have heard from authorities. So some thoughts on this point? Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Yes, I was sir. remembering, uh, the, the description of Lord Brahma when he appears on the top of the lotuses, uh, the only instruction he had received is uh, the sound vibration of tapa. Right. And it's kind of like he realized it within his heart, the meaning of that word, and then he just go on to execute the word, the, the sound vibration. Nice, nice. Yes, that's what he did. So he he heard from authorities, and he followed the instructions. It's it's always amazing to me because no one explained to him what is the meaning of tapa. He just meditated on the sound vibration, then he get it. Mm. Interesting. 
it's not exactly the same thing. It's, it's not, but, uh, but what you said reminds me of when Prabhupada would sometimes say, uh, you can hear, for example, let's say I don't speak Hindi. I can hear a Hindi lecture by him and still get some purification, even without knowing what the words mean. Of course, it's much better when we know the, what the words mean, but yeah. Thank you. Other thoughts on this point? It's a important point, right? How do you acquire knowledge? It's super important. So we used a little, let's say the question about Damodar. We use some Shabda Praman, right? Because we know about uh, Lord, Va, uh, Lord, uh, Lord Damodar in, in, in our Shastra and, in our, and from Guru. Um, then we use the little Anuman when I said, I assume that it's the same one. And I said, and I use some logic saying, well, Go Govinda is mentioned in a previous verse. So it doesn't rule out Braj and Vrindavan pastimes. Uh, so we use both two of the three, just, just right there. Okay. Shall we carry on then? O Maharaj Prikshit, the demigods were related to Vishwarup by his father's side, and therefore he visibly offered clarified butter in the fire while chanting mantras such as Indraya Idam Swaha. This is meant for King Indra. And Idam Agnavye, this is for the demigod of fire. He loudly chanted, chanted these mantras and offered each of the demigods his proper share. Okay, so although the although offering clarified butter in the sacrificial fire in the name of the demigods, without the knowledge of the demigods, he also offered oblations to the demons because they were his relatives through his mother. <laughs> you can just imagine what's going on here, right? He's he's the demigods priest, and he's doing a little side business, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> He's not following um, government ethics. You know, in, in my job, if I want to, even for ISKCON, actually, if I want to, as a government employee, I have to get permission from the ethics office when I do outside work. It's not, it's not hard to do. It just has to, I just have to be able to show that there's no conflict of interest. But, you know, he, he's not following that. He's, He's doing his job as, you know, to the demigods, and he's got a little side business for there going for the demons because of his uh, familial affection. Very, very interesting. It's so, it's so nice sometimes. I mean, nice. It's so interesting sometimes to see how the real human side of people that we read about in the scriptures. Text number four. Once upon a time, however, the king of heaven, Indra, understood that Vishwarup was secretly cheating the demigods by offering oblations on behalf of the demons. He became extremely afraid of being defeated by the demons, and in great anger at Vishwarup, he cut Vishwarup's three heads from his shoulders. My gosh. So this is, this is, uh, gosh, Indra just, does so many things. So, because remember earlier we heard that he he had insulted his guru Brihaspati, right? But now he did a far greater offense by killing his guru Vishwarup. Is uh, an offense he committed, even though Vishwarup had sacrificed his own pious credits for the welfare of the demigods. 
He humbly and kind of selflessly accepted the position of being their priest for sacrifices. He provide, he just provided in the last chapter the demigods with an effective armor and empowered them to defeat their enemies. So what, you know, you just see what is one not capable of doing when they're angry? Could you uh, put in the chat, uh, Suvenda, chapter 16, verse 21 of the Gita? This, this verse just shows us what anger can do to us. It's so, um, it's so, it could be very devastating. Look at Indra. He just, he just killed his guru. Here's what Suvenda says. There are three gates leading to hell, lust, anger, and greed. Every sane man should give these up for they lead to the degradation of the soul. Hmm. Anger is a bad advisor. Thank you, Henry. Uh Yeah, yeah, it's a bad advisor. Okay. So it is just amazing how Indra does all these things and still somehow comes out a bit unscathed. One thing about Indra, he is honest. Yes, yeah, he always admits exactly what he did right after he does it. Yeah, <laughs> and and not this is not offered in defense of Indra, but uh, Visvarupa was certainly taking a chance by doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, from our point of view, it didn't seem like the uh, offense matched the punishment, but you know, we didn't weren't living in those times, and yeah. Thereafter, the head meant for drinking somaras was transformed into kampinjala, uh, some kind of francoline partridge. Similarly, the head meant for drinking wine was transformed into kalavinka, sparrow, and the head meant for eating food became titiri, common partridge. Although Indra was so powerful that he could neutralize the sinful reactions for killing a Brahmin, he repentedly accepted the burden of these reactions with folded hands. He suffered for one year. And then to purify himself, he distributed the reactions for his sinful killings among the earth, water, trees, and women. In return, just one second, I'm going up to which verse? Uh, verse 11. In return for King Indra's benediction that ditches in the earth would be filled automatically, the land accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions for killing a Brahmana. Because of these those sinful reactions, we find many deserts on the surface of the earth. In return for Indra's benediction, that the branches and twigs would grow back when trimmed, the trees accept one-fourth of the reaction for killing a Brahmana. These reactions are visible in the flowing of sap from trees. In return for King Indra, uh, Lord Indra's benediction, that they would be able to enjoy lusty desires continuously, even during pregnancy, for as long as sex is not injurious to injury, injurious, injurious, did I get that right? Injurious? Uh, to the embryo, yeah. women accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions. As a result of those reactions, women manifest the signs of menstruation every month. And in return for King Indra's benediction, that water would increase the volume of other substances with which it was mixed. Water accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions. Therefore, there are bubbles and foam in the water. When one collects water, these should be avoided. After Vishrup was killed, his father, Twasta, performed ritualistic 
ceremonies to kill Indra. He offered oblations in the sacrificial fire, saying, O oh, enemy of Indra, flourish to kill your enemy without delay. Purport. There was some defect in Twasta's chanting of the mantra because he chanted it long instead of short, and therefore the meaning changed. Twasta intended to chant the word Indra Satro, meaning O enemy of Indra. In this mantra, the word Indra is in the possessive case, Shashti, and the word Indra Satro is called a Tatpurusha compound, Tatpurusham Samasa. Unfortunately, instead of chanting the mantra short, Twasta chanted it long, and its meaning changed from the enemy of Indra to Indra, who is an enemy. Consequently, instead of an enemy of Indra's, there emerged the body of Vitrasura, of whom Indra was the enemy. So I thought this was, if we look at our own lives and how we practice Krishna consciousness, I thought there was some instruction here. Um, because we, even one time Prabhupada, the devotee, was not chanting the Maha Mantra perfectly and said that Krishna still hears the sincerity. But, you know, in the Vedic times, when things were not, if it wasn't exclusively in the realm of bhakti, more karmakanda or just, yeah, you know, in the realm of Vedic rituals, you know, you make one mistake and you're in big trouble, right? You know, they used to have Brahmins in each corner of a fire sacrifice chanting mantras. They had to chant them perfectly. So in ISKCON, you know, what do we do? We have... We sometimes have Brahmins in the four corners. They either read the Bhagavatam or chant the holy name. They might not even be pronouncing the Sanskrit perfectly, but that doesn't really affect the, uh, the, the yagya, the, the fire sacrifice that's going on. Um, Krishna is known as uh, Bhava Grahi Janardhan, one who accepts the essence of our devotional sentiments. So in the eighth canto, Prabhupada writes that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is known as Baba Grahi Janardhan because he takes only the essence of a devotee's attitude. If a devotee sincerely surrenders, the Lord has a super soul in everyone's heart immediately understands this. Thus, even though externally a devotee may not render full service, if he is internally sincere and serious, the Lord welcomes his service nonetheless. Thus, the Lord is known as Baba Grahi Janardhan because he takes the essence of one's devotional mentality. And in the Anjalila of the CC, it says, since Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he extracts the purpose from everything. He accepted Damayanti's affection for him, and therefore he derived great pleasure, even from the dried bitter leaves of Supta, and from Kasandi, a sour condiment. And one more from a lecture Prabhupada gave in Montreal in 1968. What is the highest type of religion? Everyone will say, listen to this, interesting. My system of religion is better than yours. That is quite natural. A Hindu will say, oh, I am better than the Christian. Christian will say, I am better than the Hindu. But Bhagavat says that that is not the test of, re of religion. Bhagavat says, Savai pum sam parodharmo yatol bhaktir hoksuje. That type of religion is the best by which one develops love of Godhead. That's all. The test is how much you have developed love of Godhead. Baba 
Grahi Janardhan. In Vedic literature, it is said that God, Krishna, simply accepts your bhava your, or your situation. How much you have developed your attraction for God or Krishna. That is taken into account. He does not take into account, oh, he is very rich. Oh, he is very beautiful. Oh, you are very opulent. Oh, you are very poor. Oh, you are not beautiful. These considerations are not there. The only consideration is how much love, how much you love God. Then your life is successful. So this is, this is, this is such an important concept. Krishna is in our heart. He accepts the essence of our devotional sentiment. Now, let's look at that from another point of view because the, there are Vedic rituals, right? And, and Prabhupada has given us and not rituals, but he's given us some details. Like he, you know, he's asked us to wear tilak, you know, at, at least, you know, in the temple room. And, and if we're going out for work, you know, we'll put on water tilak. He's asked us to wear kanti mala, tulsi neck beads. He's given us very detailed instructions on how to worship the deity. He's told us how to be clean. You know, after using the bathroom, you should take a shower. And, and so part, you, one could say, well, these are rituals. Yeah, you know, you take them, you leave them. But another way to look at it is that they are a way to show our devotion by following Prabhupada's recommendations, his order. So rituals, if they're just in and of themselves or without knowing why we're doing something, you don't get too much benefit out of that. And if you, if you screw up like uh, we heard here, then you can even you know mess things up more. But if you do them with the desire to please Krishna, then yoga shemam bahamyam, Krishna will preserve what we have, he'll carry our mistakes, he'll carry what we lack. So Krishna is only known through bhakti, and so we, uh, but we show, but like I said, he's known through bhakti, but we, part of showing our bhakti is to follow, you know, the, the details that have been given to us. The essence we know, smartavya satatam vishnu vi smartavya najatu to always remember Krishna, never forget him. And the rituals, the details of sarva vidhi nisheda, all the do's and don'ts are kinkras, they're servants of that principle. That's another way to say it, obviously much better than the way I said it. So some thoughts on this point. He's in our heart. He knows what our sentiments are. I, Hare Krishna. Um, as you were discussing, I was thinking about um, this idea of um, how, uh, I forget now, but it, it's, it's about how uh, we develop devotion. I, I was thinking that the the neophytes in every religion, the ones that say my religion is better than your religion or my religion is the only religion, they're actually expressing those views thinking that this is an expression of my devotion. To mm. God. You know, uh, uh, the fact that I'm being exclusive in my Christianity or my Hinduism or whatever is, um, you know, and rejecting everything else or everyone else um in their mind it must be that you know because of because of my uh exclusivity that's my devotion that's my 
Right. That's a nice point, Gurudas Prabhu. Um, yeah. But if you that, if yes. says that, they're pushing people away. So people could never change to the right, do a better one. Yeah, right. They're doing a disservice indirectly. Yes. Yes, uh, Jiva Tapapu. Hare Krishna. Uh, so action speaks louder than words. So again, we see that Indra is following a specific pattern and he'll continue to follow that pattern. So we're also learning that when we see someone's behaving in a specific manner and they seem to repeat, you know, uh, the higher authority can advise them. Otherwise, they get upset if we try to, you know, help them, even though, you know, they may be in authority. So again, we have to know our position. In this particular case, we saw as how Indra, he offended his spiritual master who left him. And then he went out to Lord Brahma seeking for solution and accepted Vishwarupa and did not like some behavior of Vishwarupa and killed him. And instead of making the proper process, because the Brahmanas had approached, the sages had approached him to nullify the reaction of killing a Brahman, but he rejected that thought. He said, mm -hmm. whatever happens, I'll come. So he's also thinking that he is so powerful, like supremely powerful, that nothing would happen. But then when he is feeling that it's unbearable, then instead of still finding the solution, he is passing it on to someone else. Right. He's not right. correcting the mistake. His tendency of not correcting the mistake is causing him to fall down again and again. <laughs> he really gets himself in trouble. You should preach to him, Jeeva Tatrabhu. <laughs> I already said when we are not in the position, we have to be very. <laughs> I know, I know. I was just joking with you. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Other thoughts on this point about, uh, you know, it, it also brings to mind, of course, the uh, principle of Niyamagraha and Niyamagraha, which we studied in the Nectar of Instruction to. On one, it's the two sides of the coin, right? On one hand, to um, follow rules and regulations, rituals, without knowing the purpose behind them, or to just neglect them. It's two sides of the same coin. So, so the, the synthesis is to follow them, but on, with the with the uh, devotion and with the understanding the purpose behind them. Yeah. Suganda has put in the chat. One who chants the holy name of the Lord is immediately freed from the reactions of unlimited sins, even if he chants indirectly to indicate something else, jokingly, for musical entertainment, or even neglectfully. This is accepted by all the learned scholars in the scriptures. Holy name is so merciful that even if pronunciation is not proper. Yeah, no, right. And at the same time, we should, of course, not take advantage of that kind of leniency and try to pronounce things carefully. One place Prabhupada says that sometimes devotees make like a hissing noise when they're chanting their japa, but that we should pronounce the mantra uh, carefully. <laughs> so many, many, many years ago, I had a Sankirtan partner. Um, some of you know him, Abhai Prabhu. And uh, so sometimes he, you know, when you're, when you're in traveling Sankirtan with someone, you're living in a van them 24 seven. It, you know, it's easy to get on each other's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes he would say that I would chant Hade instead of Hare. 
right? Hade Krishna, Hade Krishna, right? So his way of reminding me was, uh, he would just go, a day tripper, like Hade Krishna, you know, the, the song by the Beatles. <laughs> We're both getting too much information about each other. Yeah, t- totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we should make our effort though to pronounce uh, properly. You know, um, can I say something about that? Because there is a devotee who will remain nameless, but who is very much involved with the uh, uh, Harinam that goes out weekly from the temple, mm-hmm. uh, who is very uh, ultra-insistent that uh, pronunciation be um, uh, pure and not uh, varieties of, you know, like Hade or Ramo or... Um, and... Uh, it, that's very under, understandable, but at the same time, um, you know, when when someone is in the midst of a the the emotions or ecstasy or, or whatever the energy of the kirtan, um, sometimes the mantra doesn't come out perfectly. Um, I I tend to side against one being too strict in um, that kind of application. Well, uh, like I said, there's different times. Prabhupada said different things. So here's, I just put in the chat from the Adi Lila, the words Hare Krishna should be very distinctly pronounced and heard. Sometimes one mechanically produces a hissing sound instead of chanting with the proper pronunciation with the help of the lips and tongue. Chanting is very simple, but one must practice it seriously. Therefore, the author of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnadas Kavaraj Goswami, advised everyone to keep this verse always strung around his neck. And then, uh, gosh, I wonder if I can find it. Do you, or maybe Sugandha can find it. The, there was a discussion with Prabhupada about Vande uh, Guru Sri Charanaravinda instead of Vande Guru Sri Charanaravinda. Um, and... <laughs> Prabhupada was, if you can find it, I don't know, I don't know how, I don't know how you'll find it. But anyway, uh, so Prabhupada was laughing that, because guru means cow. Yeah. And so they're calling me a cow. And he was laughing and he said, but Krishna understands that they're trying to glorify their spiritual master. So there, there's different sides to it. I know that probably most of us know the devotee you're referring to. And if, if I recall correctly, his concern was, that he heard um, that Prabhupada was very strict about this specific pronunciation, uh, Ramo, and uh, finding it, I don't know why, but maybe, I, I again, the total speculation that, uh, you know, it was generally Bengali mispronunciation. Yeah. And maybe Prabhupada, it, maybe it reminded him of some of the um, upper sampradayas in Bengal that, you know, don't chant nicely or properly like but that's I mean, just an you know, assumption i'm not i'm not trying to be puffed up here but i don't i don't use that pronunciation but there are some famous devotees in iskon who do yeah so that's up there. i guess that's between them and krishna 
because we have uh, both uh, uh, statements from Prabhupada. Obviously, don't, if we chant uh, uh, properly, that's better. Don't you think that Sankirtan is maybe a different case than Japa? Because you have artists, they might be seen leading, and they maybe take a little artistic license, and that's not the same thing as Japa. Don't you think there's a little... Yeah, maybe. And you're right that uh, people do take some... Um, some poetic license. Um, I, 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 there's, there's a whole uh, Kirtan standards book or booklet that's out. And so I, I would have to check that by next week to talk more about this topic. Um, Not only that, um, anyone who goes to Jayadwaita Swami's website prominently featured on his website is a, is a seminar he gave like 10 years ago about uh, kirtan, what's acceptable according to uh, what, uh, according to his knowledge of what Prabhupada said about kirtan, um, it's very interesting. I highly recommend it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's. I'm looking at a um, a slideshow, which I won't get into all the details about, but. It's uh, it should be done nicely. Let's. I think we can all agree on that, right? Anyone disagree? No, no. Uh, we all agree. And in the offenses, it's also an offense to chant inattentively, right? So right. we should be conscious. What is important is: Are we able to pronounce well or not? Are we conscious what we are pronouncing? Are we? Do we have the right mood? And remembering the lordship that we are begging for His mercy, begging for the mercy of Radharani, to please engage us in their service. Yes. So the mood is more important. As you said earlier. Well, the mood and and, and specific. To, thank you for that. And specific to the mood is: Who are we chanting? Whose name are we chanting? So um, when I uh, asked, I, I, I purchased, um, or I had that book, um, The Living Name by Sachinandan Swami. And when he wrote a, what, what do they say? Like in the beginning, he wrote something to me in the beginning of the book, you know, with a pen. Dedication. Yeah, well, that, but it was just his personal, you know, signing. He was a book signer, basically. Um, and he put that, you know, the essence of this book is uh, is to chant in relationship with Krishna. So to remember whose name we're chanting and to want to be in that relationship with Krishna. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's see, what did Suganda find? Allen Ginsberg, uh, Ginsberg, but there is a limit to how much the pronunciation of Krishna will spread, I think. There's a limit. Prabhupada, hmm, no limit. You can pronounce Krishna in any way. For instance, Krishna. <laughs> you can pronounce Krishna in any way. Niyatam, uh, niyamitam smarane nakala. No hard and fast rules. Allen Ginsberg. The limit is people's prejudice. Prabhupada. We don't say, why are you chanting Krishna like this? We never said that. We simply say, please try to chant Krishna. Hmm. Right. So he was encouraging, uh, uh Alan who had a very interesting way of playing his harmonium and chanting Hare Krishna. Okay, let us continue. That was verse 11, and we're going up to 21. 
Thereafter, from the southern side of the sacrificial fire, known as Anvaharya, came a fearful personality who looked like the destroyer of the entire creation at the end of the millennium. Like arrows released in the four directions, the demon's body grew day after day. Tall and blackish, he appeared like a burnt hill and was as lustrous as a bright array of clouds in the evening. The hair on the demon's body and his beard and mustache were the color of melted copper, and his eyes were piercing like the midday sun. He appeared unconquerable, as if holding the three worlds on the points of his blazing trident. Dancing and shouting with a loud voice, he made the entire surface of the earth tremble, as if from an earthquake. As he yawned again and again, he seemed to be trying to swallow the whole sky with his mouth, which was as deep as a cave. He seemed to be licking up all the stars in the sky with his tongue and eating the entire universe with his long, sharp teeth. Seeing this gigantic demon, everyone in great fear ran here and there in all directions. That very fearful demon, who was actually the son of Twasta, covered all the planetary systems by dint of austerity. Therefore, his name was Britta or one who covers everything. The demigods headed by Indra charged the demon with their soldiers, striking him with their own transcendental bows and arrows and other weapons, but Britrasura swallowed all their weapons. Struck with wonder and disappointment upon seeing the strength of the demon, the demigods lost their own strength. Therefore, they all met together to try to please the super soul, the supreme personality of God, Narayan. By worshiping him. So that's the cool thing about the demigods, right? They get themselves in trouble all the time. And then they say, oh, we better take shelter of Krishna. So they're devotees. They may not be pure devotees, but they're devotees for sure. Okay, now, text 21. The demigods said, so who did they say this to? Into Vishnu, right? The three worlds are created by the five, they got very philosophical, right? The three worlds are created by the five elements, namely earth, air, fire, water, and earth. Wait, did I say earth? Ether, air, fire, water, and earth, which are controlled by various demigods beginning from Lord Brahma. Being very much afraid that the time factor will end our existence, we offer presentations unto time by performing our work as time dictates. The time factor himself, however, is afraid of the Supreme Personality of God. Therefore, let us now worship that Supreme Lord who alone can give us full protection. And about halfway through the purport, Prabhupada writes, the demigods being afraid of death took shelter of the Lord and offered him these prayers. Although the time factor is fearful to everyone, fear personified is afraid of the Supreme Lord who is therefore known as Abhaya, fearless. Taking shelter of the Supreme Lord brings actual fearlessness, and therefore the demigods decided to take shelter of the Lord. So, so the demi, you know, so the, the, the devotion of the demigods is, is wonderful, but it's clearly not on the level of some of the great devotees. So what are some of the great devotees we hear about in the Bhagavatam? that are more advanced than the demigods. Can you list list a few? Ambarish. Ambarish. Prahlad Maharaj. Prahlad. 
Narada Muni. Narada Muni. Dhruva. Dhruva. Bali Maharaj. Bali Maharaj. Yeah, so many, right? Uh, but that doesn't diminish the uh, the demigods, but it's good for us to remember they're not on the same level. Um, so here, this first prayer of the demigods, um, and there's like, I think there's a number of them. Uh, they're, they're, ask, they're asking for protection and acknowledging that, that they, they control the elements, right? And the other phenomena in the universe. And still they're afraid of time marching on and being destructive. But they know that time is fearful, is, is um, fears Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. And so they pray in the, yeah, in the first, this is of seven prayers. Let us now worship that supreme Lord who alone can give us full protection. So let's do 22 and then we'll talk about the two together. They're, they're related. Free from all material conceptions of existence and never wonder struck by anything. The Lord is always jubilant. You know, like when we say, been there, done that? Well, Krishna literally has been there and done it. Therefore, never wonderstruck by anything. The Lord is always jubilant and fully satisfied by his spiritual perfection. He has no material designations, and therefore he is steady and unattached. That supreme personality of God is the only shelter of everyone. Anyone desiring to be protected by others is certainly a great fool who desires to cross the sea by holding the tail of a dog. Again, I always like to point out the, the very wonderful metaphors and analogies that are used in Prabhupada's books and in the Shastra. Prabhupada, the first sentence, a dog can swim in, in the water, but if a dog dives in the ocean and someone wants to cross the ocean by holding the dog's tail, he is certainly fool number one. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> It's funny because uh, the um, where we live, there's a swimming pool nearby. And on Labor Day, at just before they're about to close the pool, which would be for the whole season, they allow everyone to bring their dogs, and then the dogs can go swim in the pool. Ah, right, because it's you know uh, after that they're going to drain the pool, so everyone brings their dogs and throws them in the pool. <laughs> But if, but obviously, if you're trying to hold on to the dog's tail to stay afloat, if you don't know how to swim, you're in big trouble. In the last paragraph, the Lord's lotus feet are an indestructible boat. And if one takes shelter of that boat, he can easily cross the ocean of Nessians. Consequently, there are no dangers for a devotee, although he lives within the material world, which is full of dangers at every step. One should seek, seek the shelter of the all-powerful instead of trying to be protected by one's own concocted ideas. And I know I brought it up, I think, last week, but it, this does, these two verses remind me um, of this Ananda Kishori Devi Dasi, who just passed away uh, a week ago, a little more than a week ago. And her story is just so inspiring because... You know, she was, a, she was a devotee from the age 12, um, where had interest in Krishna consciousness. And she was a housewife with three children. And when she got the news of, of stage four cancer, of course, it was a huge shock. Her, her one daughter had just been married. 
The other daughter was engaged. She wanted to see the wedding. She wanted to see grandchildren. And that was not going to happen. It was, it, it was not going to happen. And she, by the help of certain devotees, uh, especially uh, Shonakarishi Prabhu and, and His Holiness Radna Swami, she became a transcendentalist. She made a choice at one point. Okay, no more chemotherapy, no more hospitals, nothing. Uh, I want to go home and hear and chant about Krishna. And she just, she just totally took shelter of fearlessness. And Krishna granted it to her. <laughs> it, it, it was so inspiring to, I wasn't there, but my son was there every day because he's married to her, the, this woman's daughter. And Shona Karishi was one of my best friends, was contacting me all the time, telling me what's going on. And she just became a sadhu. <laughs> was, I don't know, or a sadhvi, you know. Um, she just wanted to hear and chant about Krishna. And Lord, uh, Radhana Swami had told her what Bhakti Tirtamaraj had told him. That uh, at one point when Bhakti Tirtamaraj was in so much pain due to the cancer, but they were absorbed in hearing Chaitanya Charitamrita all the time. And Bhakti Tirtamarsh turned to Radha Swami and says, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> so she picked that up. And at one time she even said, uh, she said, this is like two days before she left this world. So, so much pain. And she said, this is so blissful. So this will be a test for all of us at some point. And, uh, you know, it, it in uh, in the scheme of things, by Lord Brahma's measurements, it'll be a lightning flash. It'll just be a second from now, and we will be we will want to take shelter of Krishna, and therefore attain fearlessness uh, by that shelter. Even one time, a few days, like three days before she passed away, she woke up in the morning and she said, "Am I still here?" That's what she said. Am I still here? So um, we can get inspiration from devotees like her. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, of the way Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj left this world, the way uh, um, Gunagrahi Maharaj left this world, surrounded by uh, uh, Ritavija Swami and Radna Swami and Burijan Prabhu. Um, it's, you know, it's inspiring. Of course, other dev- other great devotees, don't leave the world in that way and still are, of course, super glorious, like uh, Bhakti Charu Maharaj and others and Tamal Krishna Maharaj. Um, it's up to Krishna. Uh, but regardless, um, we might as well practice now taking shelter of Krishna and really getting absorbed in, in him and our relationship with him. So that is what we have time for today. Uh, I will be much better next week. I promise Henry's always reminding me to uh, get the verses out. This week was just a uh, kind of a whirlwind, partially because of Ananda Kishori's passing away last week. Um, but I will uh, get, uh, by, my effort is to get it to you by Thursday night. Okay. And so uh, you already know that for next week, we will be uh, talking about verse 33 and 36, I believe it is, yes. And then we'll uh, finish this chapter, Krishna willing, next week. 
So thank you very, very much, as always. And we will see you in, tw- in uh, six days and 22 and a half hours from now. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Jai Ho.